Hello. And welcome back. To This Is Not. A history. Lecture. This time on my newly updated computer. Yes. That I literally had to delete everything off of in Factory Reset to get it to update. But it was worth it because then she was able to finish her thesis. Well, not, not, not the thesis. Well, yes. Your presentation. I had to defend my thesis this past week and my whole microsoft office suite was like um we're gonna tell you today that your computer is actually like way out of date and you can't use us anymore until you update your computer and i was like you've got to be shitting me it's murphy's law a presentation ready tomorrow morning um so it was a fun night but i got it done and uh they said i could graduate so you know all good things all good things um other than that good thing the world has been a bleak place since we last chatted yes it has um yeah okay yeah so cal was in new orleans when well i was on my way to new orleans we were in the car yeah Um, when the news about roe v wade broke so she was not here to commiserate with me we had to commiserate mutually over phones i had a lot of people to commiserate with i was on a little girl's trip so um five american women (laughs) of you know in their 20s that are very much affected by i'm sure that was a bit of a um oh it was definitely an experience yep 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 yeah so uh great great times um and not even roe v wade i mean obviously kat and i have made our opinions on this very clear um when the leak first came out that they were gonna overturn it um you know i did a whole episode on the history of roe v wade and anti-abortion stuff so, um, if you're interested in hearing that, um, it is episode, let me see if I can find it. I think it's back like maybe 10, not 10 ago. It's probably more no, like four or five. No. So that was about yeah, a month it ago. It was in May. Um, yeah, let's see. Yeah. Oh, I just found it and then my computer, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, Cal did an episode about the yeah, history of Roe there v. We Wade. Go. On May 10th, episode 66. Yeah. So, um, and we, I remember we discussed the precedent that this sets for re-examining things like Oberfell v. Hodges and all these. Basically everything since um, Loving, Loving v. Virginia. Is that mm-hmm. the case? Yeah. Loving Virginia. Which is um, interracial marriage. Mm-hmm. That and forward and um, we knew, is now into question. Yeah, we knew about that. But having Clarence Thomas literally, literally write it um, yep. was jarring. Um, yeah. And terrifying. And if you haven't been paying attention to what's going on in Texas specifically, it's really bad. Um, the GOP in Texas is looking at things to um, examine next year, including secession, um, well, the Equal Rights Act. Been on or, the, um, the, yeah, that's always been a Texas thing, oddly, but uh-huh. like it is a serious agenda list now item i think it's always been on the agenda what's more alarming to me than secession because i don't believe we'll actually secede um is that i don't think we will but yeah is that they're looking at um saying that the civil like the voting rights act of Mm -hmm. 1964 or 66 or 68 one of those i think it might be 68 whatever but like the voting rights act that finally actually gave voting rights to every american citizen Mm mm-hmm they're like, no, we should overturn that. They yeah. also um, want to take away the gun, um, prote- or like the gun regulation act yes. of sixty six, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, which forbids things like 
oh, you can't buy a gun online. And, oh, um, people with, like, uh, a history of mental illness that would Mm -hmm. impede their ability to operate a gun correctly. We should just let them have guns. And recent changes Um, in our state. just, like, no regulation on Recent changes under our current Republican um, governor and senators have seen a... uh, lack of a decrease in funding for mental health issues for mm-hmm. um maternity mortality rates um mm-hmm. a lot of things that are really 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 scary for women in a lot of ways um i and also heard be, that they're to be clear it's not just texas it's not just texas they just specifically have those on the gop agenda for next yeah. year and it's it's very scary because i know a lot of southern states are looking at things but like when your state explicitly is questioning things like the right to be in a gay relationship Mm-hmm. Like the right to publicly be open about your relationship is terrifying. Um, yeah. Is it more? Is it more v. Harper? I can never remember the name of the case that gives like state legislation checks and balances so that they can't run a state election. Is it more v. Harper? I couldn't tell you, but I, I know they reexamined about. that one, and now the state legislature has like even less oh, checks yeah. and balances uh-huh. on it. So states uh-huh. like Texas can now gerrymander much more easily oh, and. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, that's just what's happening in Texas. The Supreme Court has also made it super, some more super, super great decisions. Um, and I, without a doubt, believe that this will go down as probably one of the worst Supreme Court sittings. Um, yes. Probably in history. I just, agree. The uh, regression just, we're seeing on this is Just like terrible. general American, like, uh, here, hold on. I saw a tweet that states everything so now obviously we have the overturning of roe v wade that Mm -hmm. happened since we last chatted states can now um not regulate firearms that's something that is done by the federal government that the supreme court passed um the epa was stripped of a lot of their powers i did see that Mm -hmm. um so guess what we're gonna have an abortion hellscape (laughs) desert world i have heard Um, that um i heard that they're gonna try to pull executive power on some of the epa stuff though but biden's not gonna do that because his plan is already allowing more offshore offshore drilling and oil drilling so um how much is biden actually gonna do because all he's done for gas prices so far is just tweet about it this is my message to they did open the CEOs. they did open the reserves yeah but like biden could stop the price gouging. oh oh and you, instead, cap, by capping oil yes, yeah well instead he's choosing to be like this is my message on twitter what is that gonna do um yep uh, also uh there's a <laughs> uh, there was a ruling um i forget the name of the case but now um States do have the ability to um, govern in native territories. Castro Huerta versus Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, So that takes away a lot of their sovereignty and effectively Mm -hmm. just strips them of any rights that they have. Because reservations are supposed to be strictly indigenous peoples. Like, they are not for us. Yes. No, they are sovereign states within the United States. But um, (laughs) just fuck that, I guess. Um, Also, weirdly... They were like, oh, the Miranda rights aren't really that important. I, I had to reread that multiple times because I thought, I was like, wait, that can't possibly be happening right before Roe v. Wade was overturned. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're going to remove the ability to sue an officer for not reading your Miranda rights right before massive national protests. I was like, of course oh, they are. that is the dirtiest game I think I've they ever exactly seen someone play. Doing. They know exactly what they're doing. I, have, um, I had to, like, I had to stop. I had to, mm, I was. So, um, you know, 
our heart goes out to every person in America who is affected by any of these awful rulings. Um, Especially those of you uh, who are affected by all of those rulings. Yes. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's scary. I feel like we're all kind of... It's taken me over a full week. I, I still don't feel like I'm back in my head all oh, the no. way. I was completely well, useless this, like, this entire past week. Well, I would just this like, like to apologize to my coworkers now. I think they're fine with it. Um, I think this is like the new normal. So there's no like, oh, it'll be okay. I'm going to feel like I was before. Like this is our new reality. Roe v. Wade has been overturned. And I still can't entirely process Nor that should you yeah it's not gonna be like oh i'm gonna process it and i'm gonna feel like i did last week it's a new reality we're yeah. entering you shift the way you think the way you function mm-hmm. so it's absolutely terrifying yeah. so yeah so um i don't don't like yeah. much of anything um, going on right now no no it's a uh, it's really shitty and um if you have the ability to to donate donate where you can if you have the ability to leave honestly i'm not gonna blame you (laughs) yeah we have Um, a friend i was i was facetiming her the other day um she's leaving for a semester abroad or a couple years abroad and i was like you lucky duck and she's like i know my passport literally came in like or my visa literally came in like a couple days ago i was like "Mm, i'm gonna come visit you and we, I'm going to marry someone and I'm going to move over there with you and we're just never coming back. Or you could just get a job over there. You don't have to marry someone. True. <laughs> I feel like the Can't fastest way... Museums. You think they don't have museums over there? That is true. I just feel like it's easiest to get a visa by marrying someone. And not a job. <laughs> Let's fraud um, the government. In the job market right now? Let's, yeah, it might be easier to get married. The American job married. market, at least. That's true. That's true. But, um... Um, yeah, so... Um, Hang in there. I can't say it's going to get better. I can't say it's going to get worse. Actually, I can almost guarantee it's going to get worse. Oh, I, I guarantee it too. Um, but um, yeah. So uh, this is a hellhole, and we're all in it together. So um, and if I know a lot of people right now are talking about like this is a really important time to find community, mm-hmm. um, and invest in your community mm-hmm. because that's how you survive historically. That's how you survive. And the government has made it clear that they are not interested in helping their citizens survive. So um, there's a lot of really great resources about community building that you can find online. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, gardening is a big one, like just providing and being a presence and supporting. So um, that's the best advice I can give. Yeah. And be careful. So, so careful about what you are consuming. I know people have talked about, you know, like more like... um, more cow i don't know what you're trying to tell your me your mic is super crooked and it's not facing your mouth at all you have it facing okay. your shoulder okay. <laughs> there you go that's um, so much better oh my god that's so much better sorry um you pay more attention to that man <laughs> i'm sorry um i know people talk about like hey delete your period tracker apps but also your account on them if you're going to be buying certain things make sure that you're using cash if you don't want people to be able to track things like just like it sucks to have to warn women to be aware of every single thing you do not just women that is correct sorry anyone with uh concerns about um hygiene and access to it and everything like anyone who has the ability to get pregnant yes Yeah. yeah um sorry that was an oversight on my part yes 100 percent and 
I'm seeing a lot of stuff being spread around too about um, homemade ways to deal with issues. Please, please, please be careful. Please be careful. Um, um, if it's, I would advise against those in almost every scenario. Yeah. Um, just because of the risks. And I have seen stuff about hospitals being given, like nurses in hospitals, being given a list of symptoms that um, they're told to report because it's um, mm-hmm. the potential that they have tried it. Those symptoms are related to self-induced abortions. Um, so just be, be really careful. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry that if you're in a state that will not protect your, your rights um, to your body and your choice, I'm, I'm very, very sorry. And we are with you right now. Yep. We are sitting in one of those states, arguably one of the worst states for it. Um, um, just know that there's a lot of abortion fund resources. Mm-hmm. And if you do find yourself in that situation, there are things in place to help you, um, including travel money and things like that. So just yeah. do your research. Don't, don't hurt yourself. They even, yeah, they even have <laughs> Ask lists for help before. Yeah. There's groups putting together lists of people who will supply like hysterectomies or, um, um, getting your tubes tied and stuff at earlier ages now. Um, and they're making lists of those doctors that will perform those without questioning, you know, Oh, you're too young to get it. Oh, you don't know if you want kids yet. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to build these communities. They are there. Um, you just have to go digging for them. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we're sorry the world went haywire in the week that we were gone. Um, but I guess we can just jump right in because honestly, I don't have a whole lot of happy news. No, um, I don't know what you're doing today, but I tried to keep mine, mine a little bit more fun, um, especially <laughs> I since did not. Uh, <laughs> I figured you wouldn't. Um, I have already done my history of abortion, so I wanted to keep it a little bit more escapism route today. I appreciate um, that. Mine's yeah. not terrible, terrible. I figured you wouldn't do that. So I'm like, I'm going to go after Kat and make everyone's day better. I hope. <laughs> and mine's not terrible, terrible. I'm not like talking about like, I can't say that. I can't, I can't use the um, Holocaust as a comparison because you can't just use the Holocaust for a comparison for everything. But as someone who studies that a lot, I will not just be like dropping a random, like terrible traumatic yeah. history event today okay, um <laughs> it is kind of sad and depressing and it's just, it's just not great joy but... let's hear it okay <laughs> um well i actually dug this one up because of what's going on in the u.s right now so it is kind of related because i was one looking of us at... had to well i already I was... did my time <laughs> i was like really looking into the details on oklahoma versus castro huerta um which is like cal said the one that changed hundreds of years of precedence giving native land sovereignty um But it led me to the discussion about the Indian Child Welfare Act, which is now being pushed up to next month's roster for discussion. And if some of the changes that people are worried about on that is that the Indian Indian Child Welfare Act helps one of its one of its effects is that it helps make sure that children removed from homes are not placed in homes that won't Mm -hmm. offer them exposure to their culture. Like Mm -hmm. you're not going to take children from a sovereign indigenous area and then give them to like a white family that's going to raise them without any access to their culture um because as we were talking about before community is extremely important Uh and i started looking into like what topics i had based on colonization and lo and behold like half of my topics that i had listed i want to talk about someday have to do with colonization because 
the whole world apparently has just been a, apparently a, a big colon- actually actually <laughs> has been a colonization experiment what? for the last this couple the hundred first, years. This is the first I've heard of this. I know. What, how, what could you mean? How could I have missed that? You know. Um, yeah. That's crazy. I've never heard this before. I'm yeah. so excited to learn about it. So colonization. Um, oh. I will be talking about something we actually haven't addressed a whole lot on this show. Ooh. The British colonization of India. Okay, yeah, you're right. We haven't we, done we, that d- we don't really talk that. I don't know if we've done any episodes purely on this. Um, no, no. We haven't. This one's been sitting on my list about, for a long time. We talked about colonization, but never one. We talked about, like, results of colonization or, right. like, stuff that's related, but we've never explicitly talked about colonization itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, today I'm going to be talking about the Valor Mutiny or Revolution. Okay. Um... It has been sitting on my list forever, and it's completely by chance that the anniversary of this is the 10th of July. I only realized that it's coming up this week. The anniversary of it is coming up this week after I got like 30 minutes into my research, and I was like, oh, shoot. Wait a second. You're right. That's familiar. Um, It's July right now. Yeah, exactly. So I think this one drops on July 5th, so about five days after this episode comes out. Um as always, disclaimer that I do not know all parts of history. I don't know a great deal about the British colonization of India. So I can't give you like the most in-depth backstory ever, but I'm going to do as well as I can on this one. Also, I ran into that thing again, where when you're researching and your sources all start to sound very similar in their verbiage and you realize that they're all taking from each other. They were all written based off the articles that you've already read because there's not a whole mm-hmm. lot or there's not as much as there should be about mm-hmm. an event so um i i struggled with this one a little bit to find information that didn't seem literally copied and pasted from other websites so okay yeah give me some leeway and leniency on this one okay. um at the very basic level here's my summary so if you don't want to listen about revolutions and colonization you can skip ahead to cows um at the basic level the velour mu- i cannot talk today the velour mutiny or revolution sometimes uh, they're used interchangeably. It was an attempt of Indian soldiers to take back Valor from the colonizing British forces, a.k.a. the East India Company. Relevant. Yeah. Um, Cal and I have been with our friend Emma. She's slowly watching all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And we're about to hit the third. And she's going to meet Color Beckett from the East India Trading <laughs> Company. Um, so, background first Obviously, in any colonized area, you're going to see a lot of people who don't like being colonized. What? Radical. I've which, never heard this before, No, either. that people don't like having their customs and culture stripped away from them. That's crazy. Why would they not want that? Yeah. So that's obviously the case here in India. Um, some of them, some of the effects of the British colonization are obviously larger sweeping changes and cultural shifts, but there's also some really small minuscule rules that affect smaller groups of people. And that's kind of what pushed these people over the edge, the Indian soldiers. One of these changes was altering the uniforms that they had to wear. And I actually saw a really interesting, um, article on this the other day about how companies need to stop requiring business professional as a like daily wear or something like that because it it like excludes cultural clothing and how that's just as important and is acceptable as other you know 
the that in it's a huge um eurocentric like pencil skirt and blouse or something well yeah that is a huge thing but it's a huge um it's not fair to ask like people who are of lower mm-hmm. income to oh yeah have a whole wardrobe contributed to like Just there's work. a lot of class issues and stuff there it's the same conversation that's happening with school uniforms like why they shouldn't require mm-hmm. them yeah because it's not accessible can't afford to buy a whole wardrobe to go to work or school mm-hmm. um and that shouldn't mean or indicate that they are any less capable of doing their job yeah agreed um so that happens and obviously these people are like we've had these cultural influences in our clothing for a very long time and we don't want to literally just change our entire military's uniform for you but the hindus specifically were told that they couldn't wear the religious marks on their forehead and that's a big no-no they even forced some of the soldiers to cut their and shave off their facial hair even though a lot of them grew it out for religious reasons and the british were warned that this would cause a lot more upheaval than they anticipated there were people that were like hey this is like a religious and cultural mm-hmm. like thing you think it's just the uniform because it's just the uniform for you but for them it is a whole lot more and you really shouldn't do it there were even a couple soldiers who protested the policy i believe there was a hindu and a muslim who both spoke out against it but they were sent to chennai's fort saint george and they were whipped terribly and then forced out of the military there was something like 20 other people or so who protested, but they were given a reprieve from the East India Company so that I don't think they were like whipped mm. or maybe they were charged with it and then they didn't deliver. But I believe they were all forced to resign as well. So the British weren't giving in and the people also were not like obviously just going to take this one sitting down. And they even gave them non, well, I can't say non-cultural because it's related to cultural bias but um even basic things like hey pay us a fair wage you know make sure that we're making enough to live off of the british weren't hearing it the british were like nah they don't need a living wage so yeah um no one does mm. no what do you mean what do you mean so yeah um it's it's not going great a few years before this we're hovering around at the beginning of the 1800s here. Um, there is a defeat of Tipu Sultan a few years earlier in 1799 during the Mysore War. And when he was defeated, his children and wives and their associates, some of their servants, like the noble aristocratic families and stuff, they were all taken after this defeat to the city of Valor. Which, this is, when I say Valor, it's in southern India in present day, I believe it's pronounced Tamil Nadu. Nadu, Nadu. I know very little about Indian geography. I, yeah, I unfortunately, I tried to look at the pronunciations, but I'm really bad at phonetic layouts and mm-hmm. words, so. It's, yeah, yeah. it's hard. <laughs> um, so this is not the same, like, culture or political setup as the royal family was used to back in the kingdom of Mysore. Um, this, but this group that gets relocated, I'm talking like thousands of people. But because the royal family and all their, like, friends and nobles and everything make up such a big group that they've all been driven to this kind of, like, new palace to just live there under British influence and rule. Two of the sons of um, Tipu Sultan were taken, and they were relatively young after this defeat. So they're kind of raised under the British influence. I'm pretty sure the British were hoping they could, like, 
what's the word? Assimilate them. Oh, they absolutely were. Yeah. Um, but that's part of the whole thing is like, we have to civilize them. Yeah. 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 Um, well, and and if they could assimilate them into culture, obviously it's so much easier to control them. And so that even people who like might've followed Tipu Sultan, who had made one of these two sons, his preferred heir, they could maybe be like, well, no, look, we have the son of the guy you liked. Yeah. He agrees with us now. And they could at least like qualm and settle some people. But these sons are old enough that they're like, yeah, you colonized us. Like, mm-hmm. no, we're not your we're not your best friends here. Um, and it, they're only there for probably like, I mean, le- it's less than a decade that they're under British control. And so the boys being raised there are looking for a way to um, exert their power again to get rid of the British influence. And so they actively encourage this rebellion as it starts to pop up. They're like, yeah, you're right, you're right. We could um. We could rule again. We could we could take over the spot. Mm-hmm. And um, the way that the sons of the Sultan were being treated made a lot of the Sepoy soldiers, which is the term for Indian soldiers who were being paid by British, the British people, um, it's the term is Sepoy. So they're watching the removal of their customs, the removal of the power of the royal family, the insult that's being paid to the royal families. It's just causing all of these tensions to a boil and then with the military changes even just the uniform they're like nah this is this is it so the fort and valor had multiple companies of the british infantry staying there and at least three battalions of the madras infantry i can never say that word (laughs) it's like cavalry i always want to say calvary because of the bible (laughs) i spent a lot of time in church as a child um So there was a wedding coming for one of Tipu Sultan's daughters, and it was scheduled for the 9th of July in 1806. All these revolutionaries are kind of like, hey, this is a great time to maybe like stage a small coup or revolution because weddings are (laughs) notoriously chaotic. Um, If you've ever been in or honestly at a wedding, you know that they're a little bit chaotic. Um, And it'll give them the element of surprise it'll surprise some cover for them and this is going to be paramount because numbers wise they're not guaranteed a victory so if there's movement already around for this wedding and everything it's going to be a lot easier to mobilize people for a revolution with you know without anyone catching on for a little bit longer Mm -hmm. and it helps too that there's like going to be this like military thingy majig i don't know all the terms for proper military things but it caused a lot of the um soldiers to well um a lot of the people were sleeping inside the fort that night so they a lot of the british and madras forces were all already centralized inside and they were like well it's like fish in a barrel kind of like the sepoy mm-hmm. soldiers soldiers are like this is great they're all going to be in one place right. we don't have to worry about keeping track of as many people around us and where they're moving to so a few the wedding happens that night and a few hours after midnight the plan goes into play there's about 500 of these um indian soldiers the sepoy soldiers and they break into the velour fort so by now it's early hours of the 10th of july the element of surprise obviously does help them and the sepoys kill a little less than 150 of the soldiers who are in the barracks Literally can't talk today. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Barracks. Barracks. That's a good one. I, I don't know where that spelling came from. I haven't heard that one before. That's Mm-mm. fun. 
Barracks. Uh, Barack Obama. <laughs> There's obviously two R's here. I literally just can't spell today or speak. So they managed to shoot down the European sentries and at least of 14 of their own officers are dead at this point, um, which includes the commanders of the fort and some really high-ranking British people. So it's kind of like, well... They were all in one, like, I don't like the term fish in a barrel, but it was kind of like fish in a barrel. Um, it's yeah. way easier this way for them to get control. And it's kind of looking up for them. A lot of those soldiers that were killed were asleep, which is not great. Um, yeah, we don't love that. We don't love that. But also, like, if you colonize people, you can't really expect them to yeah. be excited about being oh, colonized. No. So I'm not it's like. It's like, is it super great? No. no. Yeah, they probably deserve it. I, I don't want to say anyone, because, like, a lot of soldiers are just doing what they're told, but also, like, hey, yeah. don't colonize people. So it's, a, it's, um, it's definitely something's going on there. Yeah. So they managed to take out, like, a good chunk of the people in the fort just within the first couple of hours. The rebels immediately pull down the flag. Well, I say immediately. As soon as they can, they pull down the British flag that was flying over the fort, and they replace it with the... Loyal royal tiger flag of Tipu, who's like, it's Tipu Sultan's flag. And they're like, haha, we did it. Hooray. And Tipu's second son is declared king, kind of, uh, Fata Haider. Um, problem is, they had the revolt part planned out, but they didn't really have a whole lot planned past that. You know, Small oversight. Seen yeah, multiple yeah. times throughout history. We yeah, see it a lot. you gotta lot. know what you're gonna do after. Yeah. Um, and the sons had been encouraging this revolution. So I think a lot of people were just like, obviously, they will lead us. Yeah. They will, you know, step forward. And as we declare Fateh Haider to be the king, he'll be, you know... I'm, and they had joined in this revolution. So, like, mm-hmm. like, it's not like they weren't visible, but... I think they're a lot younger and more untested than the yeah. people realized when they were kind of like, yeah, they'll just take over. Um, and so it doesn't really go anywhere from there. They don't have an immediate response. Like, what do we do next? We have the fort. We're holding it. Our flag has been raised. And instead of an orderly command, some of the sepoys that are rebelling without anyone to keep them in line, take it a step further hmm. and they end up raiding of some of the civilian houses in the area and doing some stuff that is very questionable. Hmm. I couldn't find like primary sources on this really at all. The only mention of a primary source I found from this event was the wife of one of the um, captains that was shot were killed and uh-huh. it's like her hiding her account of her hiding with her children while her husband gets murdered and i was like okay that sucks but i didn't find anything on like civilian accounts of what was happening so i couldn't tell quite what what some of the sepoys went out and did but they did something to the civilians in the area that left a lot of people kind of with a rift like hey we're not taking it that far we're taking our military fort back we're not attacking the civilian population here we're not those kind of people but um that did create a bit of a disagreement between the soldiers and civilians and the image that they were trying to yeah, protect yeah, with this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so with all the chaos, the, one of the British soldiers, soldiers, 
manages to make it to the Arcot garrison, which is a little more than like, I think 15 miles away. It's something like 16 miles away. And he starts rounding up troops there with this new backup. He knows they can go back and take Velor, Velor Fort. And it takes him like nine hours to assemble everyone of course because this is not like our modern of course military where we're like oh yes Mm -hmm. grab a tank let's Mm -hmm. zoom zoom um it takes a little bit to wake people up get your weapons assembled especially if you were not expecting to be attacked so there's a british squadrons some new guns it takes them about two hours to make it back over those 15 miles and i was like that doesn't sound correct and then i was like no i can barely run the mile and like it would probably take me like half an hour to run a mile because I'm extremely out of shape. So I can't really knock them on how long it takes them to get back like over a 15 mile walk when you're carrying guns and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm not mad. Um, but it was being led by Sir Rollo Gillespie. He's known for being one of the more aggressive and energetic generals for the British army in India at this point. And he was, I don't think he was, um, gonna be held back by the rest of his forces because he basically guns it and rides as hard as he can to get back to the fort and there's only like 20 other people that are actually able to keep up with him (laughs) and the rest are all like okay i guess we'll catch up with you later when we get there because he arrives and he's only got like 20 people with him and gillespie's (laughs) like oh okay well i guess i should like make my move but i don't have everyone here with me yet so he, this this is where the story starts to get a little bit, I don't know how much of it is true, how much of it is dramatized, because okay. you know how they say, like, the victor tells the story and everything, so uh-huh. some of this might be stretches of his tales of heroism, ew, ew. Um, but it's said that, because, you know, the British did win this one, unfortunately, um, and continued to colonize for quite a while, but it's said that Sir Rollo Gillespie managed to arrive back at the fort and he sees these 60 or so British men who are still trying to hold their fort together from the ramparts with very little ammunition and they're hanging on by a thread and it's such a desperate scene but Rollo Gillespie takes his sash and throws or someone lowers a sash or something a general's sash and he scales the wall and gets to the ramparts to help Wow! and daringly helps infiltrate and retake the inside of the fort and of course not mentioning like the 20 or so other soldiers that he had at his back to help him but like you know obviously this was all all this dude absolutely Um, it couldn't be anyone else are you kidding yeah Uh, that basically moves through the fort well, what parts of it are still standing and under their control and manages to then from the inside, throw open the gates using their guns and some explosives or something like that. So that the rest of the arriving European forces from Fort Arcot can get in and basically are told to uh, give no quarter, which is not great. Uh, And the instructions are to basically just kill any of the Sepoys on site. And it's absolutely brutal. Um, there were probably about a hundred or so Indian soldiers that were still inside at that point, and they are dragged outside and basically face a firing squad on the outside of the walls. Mm. Um, it's not great. 
does not sound like yeah no which i mean i feel like that's a common reaction to rebellions is like the what is it called the um there's a term for it it's like the end all be all like proof that if this is ever what you to me kind of like to be made an example of like if you ever try to rebel again this is what's waiting for you yeah i cannot remember the word for it but um yeah i think to, to be made an example of yeah, that's is, probably the best term I'm going to be able to think of right now. That's the definition of it, at least. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you look at the total of the revolutionaries killed, it, we're in the hundreds. It's really hard to find exact counts, um, because I was looking at one that said the first round from their attack on the fort killed um, around... Th- well, no, hold on. I've got my numbers jumbled. Sorry. This calculus catching up with me again. Um, this is why I can't put 300 and 350 next to each other. I literally can't read. Um, so about 300 people died in the first onslaught of the attack when they, when the Sepoys kind of went in, infiltrated and took over in the night. A lot of the soldiers, the British soldiers who were in that attack had no time to retaliate, obviously. So they fled. Um, some of them would later, I believe, be questioned as deserters, mm-hmm. which honestly, I can't say that if I woke up in the middle of the night in my bunk and then there were like a ton of people dying around me that I wouldn't just run for it either. You know, sometimes you have an option, sometimes you don't. Yeah. So, but when the British forces come back and retake Velour Fort, about 350 people were killed. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at the multi hundreds of people dead count um there were formal trials afterward for some survivors some of the sepoy soldiers that survived um that were found later and like i said i believe there are a few people from the british side of it that were taken Mm -hmm. in and questioned as kind of like deserters Mm -hmm. and the british obviously get really freaked out by this because even if they retook the fort and they punished the people and they made examples out of all of them it's still very obvious that the people don't support colonization, which, what? duh. But also that the um, Tipu Sultan has created enough of a legacy with his sons that there are people that are willing to rise up in their support. I mean, are they going to rise up in their support again? The British are like, well, probably not because, like, they didn't do anything to help you. This, yeah. the, the two sons didn't, you know, lead you valiantly, so that diminishes the concern a little bit but the british are like realizing oh there are people here that are willing to literally kill us Mm -hmm. um and support an old regime and they did not buy our oh we're just gonna move the royal family to a city under our control and give them a nice like no no one believes that's what's happening the audacity of the audacity colonizing forces just blows me away as our friend would say, the caucasity. Caucasity. <laughs> um, so they end up moving like the entire royal people group thing again to Calcutta to reinstate and reinforce the public image that they have control over this Tipu Sultan's family and nobles and parting and all that, which feels like at that point like a double, a double whammy, just kind of like salt in the wound to the royal family. Um. Seems unnecessary. Yeah, unnecessary roughness on the play. Um, But this does set up a precedent for the future because about half a century later in 1857, there would be another 
Sepoy mutiny. Um, and there will be a lot of other revolts, obviously, as India begins forcing the British back out and decolonization starts to happen. But it's like half a century away, which is really, that struck me that there's 50 years between this one and then the next big push. Because the next big push is when they finally do manage to force colonizers out. But that's a long time. We usually don't see that far of a gap of unrest. India was colonized for a long time. It was, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what's so interesting about, like, not finding sources on this one, I think. Because a lot of, when I was looking up, like, decolonization, they all started in, all the lists I saw started in 1857. So I'm assuming a lot of people see that as when the decolonization and the revolution really started. Um, And this one just gets forgotten a lot, I think, because it was so much further in the future. Yeah. I mean, half a century is a long gap, but it's very obviously a a start to revolutionary ideas and yeah. precedents. Yeah. So. Um, it is interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So it, this was an embarrassment to the British easily. The fact that the fort was taken out from under them in the middle of the That's night and they didn't why see it coming. It's not talked about as much because the British True. didn't want it to be talked about as much. True. And they probably didn't have the sources because, I mean history was written by the victors and the British did not want that's very that true getting out because not one not only does it show their weakness two it shows the Indian people that if you put your brain together you can mm-hmm. defeat us and that's like well we don't want that so they probably yeah. did everything they could to not yeah have news of that spreading that's yeah because I, I would when I was looking for primary stuff, I didn't even see newspaper articles. Exactly. I'm sure there were one or two, but like... No, exactly. Because they don't mm-hmm. want... They did not... They probably did everything they could to get news of that from spreading. Which is weird, because sometimes you see because it go two ways. Was this? this was 1806. 1806. That's pretty early. Yeah. But it's still like... It's, it's old, old enough, but new enough that stuff would have been published. Stuff would have yeah, been talked yeah. about. Well, it's, I My money is something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't want word of this spreading well, it's for always, two different reasons. That's why propaganda is so interesting to me because you see some of it through World War II is if you had, if you had an event like this, the victors in this case, the British, have can go one of two ways. You can try to squelch it so that other people don't get ideas of doing the same thing and embarrassing you further or you can widely publicize it to say look what happens to you if you do try. That's fair, but they did win the fort. They took the fort. That's true. They managed to take the whole fort and forces had to come from outside to back up. And it wasn't up. like, oh, a little rebelling force that the Brit- the British just like culled, you know, like mowed That's true. down. It wasn't an absolute defeat of any revolting. They would have only taken like an absolute like defeat That's true. to be used as an example. That's you know? true. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Good take. Good take. My theory at least. Good take. As a professional theory maker. Um, history is a lot of conjecture and a lot of drawing in open spaces because there's never a lot of people being like i disagree with you (laughs) and and then you've got to be like yeah that's fair i like there is i see that there is rarely a right or wrong way to talk about things in history unless you're being fascist so please don't um yeah please don't be a fascist please don't this is a general rule don't be a fascist Mm, i'm thinking of a certain someone who literally has it in their twitter bio it's fine. It's fine. America's fine. Um, but yeah. So other than this embarrassment, the British have about half a century before things go up in for them. 
again. And I'm, I'm kind of proud that they used this like precedent yeah. again, that like it, that, that fervor lasted yeah. so long. Cause you see that with a lot of revolutions, like it kind of like dies out and then it takes like another hundred years to get back. But they really were like, Hey, this thing like 50 years ago, remember when we did it, let's do it again and let's go big or go home this time. So nice. yeah, it's, um, unsuccessful in the official listing of who won and who lost, right. but it sets a precedent and it, um, it encourages people to know that it can be done. Yeah, that was that was really interesting. I had never heard of that. Sorry, I, I had was not either. I was focused on my computer. I have to since I reset it, a lot of my settings are off, um, and I was just making sure that the computer won't go to sleep and we'll be able to record the I, whole episode. I appreciate so, that. Um, yeah, no, but that was really interesting. Okay. I had never even heard I'm of that. Just sitting over here playing with my elephant. It's fine. I see your elephant over there. My, uh, my microwave elephant. Is that what that is? Yeah. That. Why do you think it's stuck in my pants? I didn't know what was happening over there, and I wasn't going <laughs> to ask. Uh, okay. I was like, Cat knows her business. To be transparent, I'm like curled up in a chair with a blanket. It's about 100 degrees outside, but I have a um, microwavable elephant. You know the microwavable stuffed animals that you can put, like, you can heat them up and then yeah. put them on your stomach for cramps? That's what this is. And that's why it smells like lavender and chamomile over here. I cannot smell lavender and chamomile. Oh. Um, He's infused. Yes. This is my elephant. So I have my See, elephant at my house. stuck in my pants right now to keep it in place. I at thought you house. figured out what it was. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, maybe cat's really stressed out today. I don't know. No, it's um, in my pants. I know. I saw that. And I was like, I'm not going to question. She knows she's, what she's, she's doing. She's being held in place by um, my, my shorts. See, they have all those these fancy newfangled stuffed animals and stuff. My mom just puts rice in a sock. Sometimes she'll put some essential oils. Well, we did that too, but this was a present. Yeah, well, that's nice. That's the thing. It's not something I would have splurged on for myself, but it was a present from someone, and it has been a lifesaver because I've been this elephant has been sticking it through with me all morning <laughs> since five a.m. Uh, well, is that your recommendation of the day? <laughs> Actually, yeah, yeah. Like they make, I know they make some like electronic stuff and like microwaves so that you can like put on your stomach for cramping, like discreetly in the workplace and stuff but there is something about having this elephant it's like a weighted too because it's rice so it's like weighted on my tummy and he's like nice and cuddly and he smells like lavender so that is my recommendation for the day get yourself a comfort stuffed animal there you go um what's mine i was thinking about it earlier and then i was like i'll do that then i forgot um, I don't know. Are we supposed to do books or movies or TV? Today? I don't know. I mean, you just did a stuffed animal. So yeah. <laughs> I well, I think we're on the TV shows by now. Have we done? I think TV we shows? haven't. I don't think we've done one recently. Mine would be Umbrella Academy because the one, I finally you did that last week. Did I do that last week? Well, you, you hadn't watched it yet, but that's what you said last oh, week. Oh, yeah. I did finally watch it. It was well, good. you can double recommend. That's I'm going to double recommend because it. the last season was honestly one of my favorite seasons yet. Cool. It was good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. What would be? I haven't watched a lot of TV because I've been been reading. <laughs> I've read a lot of books in the last two weeks. Recommend one. We'll we'll switch it up. Well, I mean, it's all a part of the same series. So. Oh, which one are you? You're on Crooked Kingdom now. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, my aunt Crystal. She's gonna be upset if I don't mention this because apparently, in high school, which I have no memory of this at all, she told me all the time that I needed to read the shadow and bone trilogy <laughs> and i was like she like called me to fuss at me about it and i was like and chris like don't remember you saying that to me at all <laughs> like, i remember her telling me that i should read like the red queen books 
but I never did. I don't remember this at all, um, which is really interesting because, Kat, you and I were talking about it. Like, these book were, books weren't super popular, Mm-mm. and they've only gotten popular because of book talk. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and they are good quality books, I'll, I'll be fair. Like, it's oh, not no, just... They're, no, they're good, yeah. but they just weren't popular. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I think fine. there was... The, it was that phase, I think, like, I think they dropped when, fan, like, higher fantasy stuff was kind of struggling because dystopia was, like, dystopia really... Dystopia was really big. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're, but they're having their moments. I mean, they have a Netflix show now, so it's not like they're struggling anymore. Um, and I'm on the second series in that universe and I'm on the second book and the second duology, which means it's going to mm-hmm. be over soon. And I have around 200 pages left and I'm very upset about She's it. She's been plowing through those. I have read this whole book. I started it. When did I start it? Like honest, that book? Friday night. After that, you were still on... No, I started it Friday night. Okay. Well, yeah. So. So I've read. What page am I on? Three hundred thirty-three pages. Yeah, she's been <laughs> she's been plowing through. So we yeah. would obviously they're good. Um, so we're yeah, double recommending today. Yeah. yeah, we'll double. I'll double down on my recommendation. It's it's been good. Um, yeah. So I guess that means it's uh, my turn. Hit it. All right. <clears throat> Please cheer me up. All right. I hope this is a good one. It should be. Um, because it's a, it's pretty much a crowd pleaser whenever you do it. So, on November 12th, 1966, in Clinton, West Virginia, there was a group of grave diggers working in a cemetery. You know, digging graves, as grave diggers do. Um, not driving a monster truck. It's very disappointing. It'd be a very different story. Okay. Um, <laughs> so they, they look up from their work and they see this weird thing flying around in between trees. This big weird thing did you talk are you talking about ufos today when they reported it later <laughs> they're like no this wasn't a bird nor a plane nor a frog it was a man wait what do you know who i'm doing are you talking about the mothman i do oh. mothman <laughs> <laughs> heck yes sorry to anyone that was really loud but i just i am doing mothman I I okay hit it girl hit I, it I need this listen I was like, it's been such a rough day I need what's, this <laughs> I know I was like I don't want to do anything that's like strife or tension or anything I just want this is quality <sighs> quality history and that is the Mothman <laughs> I'm ready I'm so ready I actually don't know any of the origin of the Mothman oh it's so myth. weird because it's so new it's such a new cryptid um and it's really only sixty six that the first sightings. Really? Happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm ready. So ready. So the Mothman is described. He's a as a bipedal winged humanoid. So something that walks on two feet that has wings and it is of humanoid appearance. Um, and that's pretty much like the last similarities between humans. Um, the name was he was dubbed Mothman by newspapers, but he's not really moth-like. Um, in fact, one of the stories I'll get to later it says that. When they saw him, he avoided the car headlights, and that's like the opposite of what a moth would do. <laughs> literally, like, why would you name this guy? It's a misnomer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and instead, he really looks more like kind of a human humanoid owl type creature. Okay. Um, and he has feathers, or he appears to have feathers like a humanoid owl would, and not like that fur. I guess what is what you call it on a moth? Because <laughs> moths are like, it's they're like fur. fuzzy. Yeah, they're fuzzy. Fuzzy um, wuzzy was a bear. 
yeah, his coloration varies between black, gray, even brown in some cases, usually and dark in whatever um, color you see him in. He's reported to be about seven feet tall with a wingspan of 10 to 15 feet. Um, and allegedly he's able to fly over a hundred miles per hour. So this, he can book it. He's Wow. Fast. That is very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, which I've never heard this before, but he's described as not having a head and a big significant feature of him, a huge identifier is that he has two big red eyes that either glow or are reflective. So, like, um, they just glow on their own, or when you shine a light into them, they reflect red. Um, sometimes he's described as not having head, so those eyes are kind of set into, like, the chest area. Ah. Yes. Very interesting. That's weird. Um, no sightings of him have ever been able to adequately describe his face. One witness who allegedly saw his face could only say that the details were horrible and monstrous. And then she reported having terrible nightmares and nearly suffered a nervous breakdown. So, Oh my, this yeah, guy is so intense. Don't look at his face. You yeah, ever apparently you're going to have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> um, he has been known to be able to fold his wings. And when he does, he kind of walks with a weird shuffle that many people have compared to kind of like the way that penguins walk. Um, when he flies, he is able to unfold his wing and basically shoot straight into the sky with like super great speed. Um, and he's very rarely observed flapping his wings except for occasionally on takeoff. So does he just like coast everywhere or is he just like levitating? It's up to you to decide. Uh, okay. Smoth man. <laughs> I see. I don't know. That's the point. <laughs> I've always assumed that he was like a full size mothman, like humanoid figure. Yeah. But, but, like, sometimes I think of him as, like, a little fairy. He could be a little fairy. Like a little fairy size. Like a little moth size? Yeah. This is a little, right? little moth size man. Right? <laughs> just, just a little guy. I don't know. I just think that would dude. work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, the thing that kind of is super identifying is that he is super big and he flies way faster than any bird should be able to fly. Um, so sightings of that of him usually um, have something to do with that, like a big bird that flies faster than any bird that you've ever seen. That's kind of like, oh, that's Mothman. I just saw Mothman. <clears throat> so after this initial sighting of the Gravediggers on November 12th, he would be seen throughout the next 30, uh, 13 months in mainly around Point Pleasant, West Virginia, um, over 100 times in Whoa. the next 13 months. Like. Once they spot him, it's like, bam, 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 bam. Everyone sees this weird, winged, humanoid creature in the area. Um, so does that Point mean Pleasant, it's hysteria? Does it? Uh-huh. I don't know. Um, Point Pleasant, West Virginia has become kind of home to the Mothman origin story, and it's because of this story. So about three days after the Grave Digger's initial report, two couples report seeing report an incident to the police force um, that they were that they had experienced. And this um, is kind of what made Mothman famous, like this incident. So they were driving around, two, two couples. They were driving around. I don't know what their age ages are, but they're old enough to be driving. So at least teenagers, you mm-hmm. know, in small town West Virginia in 66. So they're probably just hanging out, you know, yeah. doing what typical 66, 1966 teenagers would do. Yes. Um, yeah, so they were in what was known as the TNT area, which is the site of a former World War II munitions plant. So they're so riding unsafe. around. <laughs> Again, they're doing what teenagers in 1966 would be doing. I feel old. I'm feeling, no, that's so unsafe. 
Um, so November 15th, the two young couples would encounter what they did not know then would be the Mothman. So the couple's names are Lodger, Lodger, um, maybe they are married. Maybe they are a little bit older, so they might be in their 20s because they have the same last name. I'm just realizing that. So Roger and Linda Scarberry um, were driving in Roger's black 57 Chevy Bel Air with their friends Stephen Mary Mallet through the TNT area. Around midnight, Linda noticed two large red glowing eyes in the darkness behind the old North Power Plant, and she freaks out. Um... And so they all like obviously like turn and look and they're like, what is that? And so when they what they when they do, they see something that looked human about seven feet tall with wings folded against its back. And all four of them saw it. Um, and they're still in their car at this point because they're just driving alone. When they see it, Roger, who's driving, stalls for about a minute, and they just all kind of look at this creature. Um, and they were like, This thing is not this is not anything that I know of, you know, that I'm not familiar with this. Um, so they drive off. Like after that initial shock, they take off because they're like, I, <laughs> we've got to go back. So they take off down highway 62 that leaves them back towards the middle of Point Pleasant city. Um, they claim to have been driving around or over a hundred miles per hour. And this winged humanoid thing was able to keep pace with their car flying. That would scare me. Yeah. Um, so they get to count. Obviously, they're, like, freaked out. And they look around. They're they're like, oh, my God. Okay, we lost him. They get to town, and he's not there anymore. And so they're like, okay, whew, we're safe. Roger parks his car at the edge of town, and they're kind of talking. And they're like, famous last words. What, what happened? And so they're like, okay, that was weird, but it was probably just a bird. Um, and we're fine. It's going to be okay. So they decide, because why not? They're going to go back and look. They went back. Um, they're like, no, it was just a bird. We're probably fine. Like, this let's just continue die in with our evening plans. Um, so they take back Highway 62 towards the TNT area again. And they see him again. Um, it was almost like he was waiting for them on, like, the side of the road on Route 62. Um finally their headlights are able to like make contact with it and instead of seeing a bird they saw like this weird humanoid creature like they're finally able to get a good look at it um and they said that the instant the car's headlights landed on the creature it basically sprung vertically into the air with tremendous speed and disappeared above the tree line so, like, they got a good look at it, and then he did this weird thing that no bird should ever be able to do. <laughs> and they're like, no oh, bird. shit. So, finally, that convinced them to go home. And they're like, yeah, we should probably go home now. Um, so, they went to the Mason County Courthouse and told what happened, like, the events of the night to Sheriff George Johnson and Deputy Miller Halstead. The city police did actually begin investigating the area, so Route 62 and the TNT area, but they returned empty-handed. They couldn't find anything. What I think is really interesting about the story is the next day they did hold a press conference um, about the police what had happened. Yeah. So I, I don't know if, like, these two couples had, like, caused enough ruckus for the police to be like, okay, we have to, you know... Or if it's just a small enough town that people are like, what are the cops doing? What year you was know? this? 66. Mm-hmm. Maybe... Well, I guess we're not quite in the serial, cares, serial killer scare yet, but maybe anything like... 
I feel like it's... They were just, like, preemptively being like, hey, don't freak out if you see something, yeah, like... something's going on or something. Yeah, just don't do anything yeah. stupid. And like, maybe mm-hmm. they were... Maybe the cops were like, hey, it could be a serial killer. So no one go outside. They just didn't want to say it. Maybe. Maybe. I believe in serial killers more than I believe in Mothman. No offense. Well, serial killers have been proven to exist, so... Yes. I think that's pretty right? safe Right? Okay. Say. That's what I think. <laughs> um, I don't think you're gonna... That's not that's something very controversial. You never know. <laughs> um... So the next day they hold a press conference and so newspapers and stuff start printing the story and that's actually caused what caused the original gravedigger sighting, which is what we know of as the earliest sighting and others in the area to kind of come forward with their stories about sightings of Mothman. Um, so yeah, so that from this point on, it's over. Like everyone in this town is like, no, Mothman's real. Um, <laughs> So the original newspaper, that kind of article that was printed and started it all was appointed or was issued in, or sorry, was printed in an issue of the Point Pleasant Register um, titled with an article titled Couple Sees Man-Sized Bird Creature Something. Nice. (laughs) Um, What's really interesting too is that apparently Linda, who was the woman who first saw it, um, was so like upset and traumatized at this that she was like basically had a nervous breakdown and had to be rushed to the hospital by her father the following day so on november 16th so like it really freaked her out whatever it was her husband roger scarberry stated quote i'm a hard guy to stare but last night i was for getting i was for getting out of there so he was like no like we're we're leaving yeah um none of that macho like ah it's nothing linda yeah just a woman he was also like oh my god no yeah um what's really interesting is like all four witnesses are like no this happened Mm -hmm. um and it's it does make it a little more credible that there's four of course they could have all just been like no we're gonna make it up yeah you know a prank but um yeah, I, I'm not saying Mothman is real or isn't real. But the more people you have corroborating a statement, yes. the less likely it is to be false. Yes, exactly. I mean, this is also just, like, cryptid history, so, like, we whether love, or not it's true yeah. it doesn't really matter as much. Um, sorry, I gotta... Ooh, ooh, ooh. My text came through. I don't know if y'all are able to hear that over. The, I need to mute my computer because my settings are all different. Yeah, so that's, like, the most infamous story about, like, the sighting. Oh, my gosh. It's really loud. You want to mute it's it? It's really loud. You want to pause my... for a second? Okay, hopefully that fixed it. Um, yeah, so the first kind of reports of Mothman in the newspapers are pretty, you know, skeptical sounding. Reporters are like, yeah, okay, these people are saying this is happening, but, you know. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But more and more sightings were reported, and over the next year, the legend of the Mothman really kind of became cemented, and that's the beginnings of what we know it is today. The Gettysburg Time times reported in eight additional sightings in the short span of three days after the first claims hit the newspapers this included claims from two volunteer firefighters who said they saw a quote very large bird with large red eyes i feel like that could be like an osprey or a large falcon that's got rabies have you ever seen an animal's eyes glow red? no you know what i haven't <laughs> but they didn't say with a foaming mouth <laughs> Um, a man by the name of Newell Partridge would have the kind of second most famous sighting of Mothman during this time. So he was a resident of Salem, West Virginia, which is another town in the area. And he claimed that he saw these, he was watching TV and he saw these weird patterns start to appear on his television screen. 
Um, and then he started hearing these weird noises outside of his house. Oof. So he takes a flashlight. That's and the he one shines... I'm so scared of. Noises outside your house actually get me. <laughs> he shines a flashlight towards the direction of the noise. And he, what he saw was two large red eyes resembling what he claimed were bicycle reflectors looking back at him. Um, the next morning, he would discover that the family's dog, a German Shepherd, was missing. And so he no, claims that not the dog. Mothman took the dog. Not yes. The dog. Uh, what's it really, really dog. interesting, and I didn't touch this part of the story because this is kind of a whole other thing, um, but witnesses claim that like when they saw Mothman sightings, they also were uh, allegedly harassed by the men in black. Have you heard of them? As in, like... As in, not, not like, the movie. Like, oh. the actual, like, lore Men in Black. No. Wait, what lore? You've never heard of this? No. Um, I didn't... Like I said, I didn't, like, do this part of it, because um, I'm already at five pages of notes as it is, and I was like, that's a whole other thing, and it definitely could be its own episode, but it's, like, a, it's not a cryptid per se, but it's, like, cryptid adjacent. It's, like, whenever you get alien sightings or, like, Mothman or some of these, like, weirder cryptids that aren't like Nessie or Bigfoot or something um the men in black will show up and it's like these men that don't have any distinguishing features um wearing like black suits will show up and like basically threaten you um and it's unclear if they they themselves are cryptid or if they're like government forces or whatever but there's like a whole lore around them too so is the movie men in black based off of the lore then (laughs) well maybe the I think the premise for it might be, but, like, the actual, like, movie storyline itself is not. Interesting. Um, But I've never looked into that specifically. I've always had that thought because it is kind of, like, related to aliens and, like, the men in black are going to show up and, like, wipe your memory. Okay. Um, But, yeah, like, that could be a whole other, a whole other thing. Interesting. Okay. Okay. um, Yeah. But they are also claimed to have been seen when Mothman has been sighted. My oh my. Yeah. So, um, for the next, like year and a month like you know mothman is everyone's seeing mothman all over the city all over the surrounding towns like everyone's seeing mothman and it all seems to culminate in the collapse of the silver bridge on december 15th 1967 Ooh. Ooh. yes um so just over a year after the first mothman sighting there was a day of pretty bad traffic on the silver bridge which was originally built in 1928 that connected point pleasant west virginia to Galli, Gallipolis, G A L L I P O L I S, Gallipolis, 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 Ohio, um, and so the bridge was like packed with cars. You know, you're sitting in traffic on the bridge. Um, this placed obviously a huge amount of strain because it was built in 1928 when the Model T had weighed just around 1,500 pounds. Um, the average 1967 car weighed about 4,000 pounds. Oh and when you have a lot of them sitting on a bridge during rush also, hour... Also, if you want to scare the living bejeebies out of yourself, go look up at America's infrastructure rankings. Oh, it's I... bad. It's terrifying. The Ooh. amount of bridges that are ready to just collapse oh, in know. America. Well, we were um, on our way to New Orleans. We were crossing over That'll do Mississippi it. into Baton Rouge and we were on traffic on a really tall bridge and you could feel it like moving Mm -hmm. you can feel it on a highway oh yeah and when where we are there's a lot of construction so Uh in our town you'll be at a standstill on the highway and you will feel them fluctuating like and they're new ones too Uh but like Uh yeah um the amount of bridges that are like below passing quality in america it's terrifying that's super great love that um 
Another thing, too, is that the bridge's original engineers, not only were they unable to account for how much cars would weigh in the future, um, but they also didn't, they weren't really that careful when they designed the bridge. A lot of bridges, at least nowadays, are kind of built so that if one part fails, there's kind of a fail-safe to, like, keep it from actually collapsing. This bridge was built without that. That's what Nani does right now. She's My sister. She's designing bridges. That's cool. Um... So, like, this bridge was built without that. So if one part failed, there was very little to prevent every other part failing. That's not great. And the bridge just collapsing. I don't love that. So, um... I actually hate that. Yeah. Yeah. So, without warning, on December 15th, 1967, a single eye bar near the top of the bridge on the Ohio side cracked. The chain snapped and the bridge collapsed because Mm. its equilibrium was basically disturbed so it like fell to pieces which plunged cars and pedestrians into um the ohio river before or below and it's december so it was cold (laughs) um unfortunately 46 people did die either by drowning or being crushed in the wreckage so not not super great one big thing about this story is that eyewitnesses who witnessed it claimed to have seen mothman around the bridge and so like they think he caused it or somehow caused it so there's two kind of conflicting things um either he caused it or he was like like an omen of something bad is about to happen maybe he knew and he was trying to come save people yeah maybe that why don't people ever think that huh (laughs) be kind to your local cryptids people so um it was pretty quick after that um that residence became because mothman had been such a thing for the last like year in this town and then this horrible incident happened they're like it must have been caused by mothman or he must have something to do with it Mm -hmm. so they very quickly became conflated um and so mothman and that incident with the bridge collapse just kind of become like a single thing and it didn't help that in 1975 there was this man by the name of john keel who writes um, a book called The Mothman Prophecies, who was like, who was like, no, Mothman caused this bridge disaster. (laughs) Um, Yeah, not helpful. Yeah, he also was like, oh, sure, I'll talk about aliens in this book too. (laughs) (laughs) Just for credibility's sake. Yeah, just because why not? Um, And so, like, this book became kind of the work on Mothman and really made Mothman famous among conspiracy theorists um cryptid people and ufologists kind of all around the world um so it kind of really like cemented mothman as a cryptid an icon of the cryptids <laughs> which is hmm. so interesting it's so interesting how these things kind of evolve especially because this history is so recent so we're able to like see yeah this like, isn't something this you works. speculate you can watch like every single like we still yeah. have records of these publications uh-huh. and... i would be so interested to see like a sociologist take on this you know what i mean yeah i know like would that be would cool. be so fascinating um yeah so uh i'm losing my place yeah so many cryptids and creatures that are kind of similar to the mothman have been sighted around the world what's really interesting is that um People claim, at least allegedly, that the sightings of these similar creatures almost always are connected to some sort of disaster. Like a natural disaster or like... Just disaster. A bridge failure. Just disaster. So Mm -hmm. some examples of this. So some places, Mothman or Mothman-esque creatures um, have been seen and then an impending disaster happens is there was a mine in Germany, in Freiburg, Germany, 
where a Mothman-like creature was um, spotted, and he actually scared miners away shortly before a collapse of the mine, allegedly, which is very interesting. (laughs) Um, He was also said to have visited the nuclear plant at Chernobyl. Oh my gosh. Where a creature, a Mothman-like creature, haunted haunted the facilities for, quote, a while (laughs) before the famous nuclear meltdown. I am going to believe that if Mothman's real, he's out there being a good Samaritan and scaring people away so that they're not around for disasters. Yeah, at least he's using his scariness for good. Yeah. Um, there was a Georgian newspaper, um, as in Georgia the country, not the state. Yes. <laughs> um, that claimed that Mothman sightings in Moscow foreshadowed the 1999 Russian apartment bombings. There were two Mothman pictures taken in New York on 9-11 and multiple sightings what? before a bridge collapsed in Minnesota. So okay, interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, he was also said, which I don't know how you can um, really identify this. Maybe there was like a higher occurrence of Mothman sightings when this happened, but um, he was said to have predicted the Mexican swine flu outbreak of two thousand nine. That's a really interesting. And one. the two thousand eleven nuclear disaster in Fukushima in Japan. So interesting. interesting. So he's connected to all of these kind of disaster events and whether or not you want to believe that he caused them or he was kind of an omen. Harbinger effect. Harbinger. That's such a good word. Um, Right? I've always loved that word. So good. Um, You know, that's up for you to decide, but he's connected to all of these different things. So now let's get into the theories of what he could be. So I mentioned this TNT area, um, which was an old munitions plant that is kind of to the north of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. So it dates back to World War II. The facility during its operation manufactured ammunition in dynamite. The surrounding area is mostly forest and it's kind of sporadically dotted with grassy clearings and thick concrete domes called igloos that were used to store barrels of gunpowder. So they had built this whole like you know, obviously have the plant, but then they have all of this system of storage and everything that has been around there. And I've actually seen, I think BuzzFeed Unsolved did a Mothman episode. Oh, really? Um, and so you can actually, like, they have video of, like, the different storage containers. Um, and it does look, it's, obviously, it's, like, super overgrown now. And it's, like, it's, like, haunting in that, like, old um, military mm-hmm. abandoned way that, like, nature has taken over. Um but obviously it's going to be a source of something, you know, local legend is going to pop up around it. So, um, this area is also known to be riddled with abandoned tunnels, most of which, most of which have claimed to have been collapsed. And now, um, in the area, there's actually a wildlife sanctuary that accounts for most of that area, um, which is the McClintic Wildlife Management. So that's pretty cool. What's not super great is in 1979, Fishermen in the area reported that chemicals had been left to seep into the ponds and basically labeled the surrounding environment as like super polluted, like an environmental disaster. And by 1983, the TNT area was among the country's most polluted sites. So not great. So obviously the running theory is, is that Mothman is either either the result of continuing Mm -hmm. government experiments in the abandoned, supposedly abandoned plant. Or he is the product of, um, uh, what's the word? I'm forgetting it. Of genetic mutation? Mutation, yes. That would create something out of the ordinary. Extraordinary, if you will. Yes. 
Um, so that's theory number one. Uh, he's also been associated with at least two other cryptids. There are the gigantic thunderbirds that have gray bodies and red heads that are sighted in the same area at the same time by thunderbirds is a whole other cryptid. Um, but he could be one of them. And then there's also the owlman, which is kind of a very similar creature with wings and red eyes that was sighted in Cornwall, England in 1976. So... You know, you never know. He could be one of those guys. Sheriff George Johnson, who was the sheriff that, like, handled the original um, claim, believed that the mod Mothman might have been some sort of large heron. And then there's this wildlife biologist. His name is Robert L. Smith, and he works out of, or he worked out of West Virginia University. And he told reporters that he thought that the descriptions fit the um, Sandhill Crane, which is a large American crane that stands almost as tall as a man and has a seven-foot wingspan. That's um, huge, yeah. And, he do- and these birds do have circles of reddish coloring around the eyes. So, um, and it, But it's not local to this area. So his theory was that one of these birds might have like gotten somehow removed from its migration route. And was, like, hanging out in this area before it could, like, figure out what to do with itself. And since locals weren't familiar with that kind of bird, they were like, what the hell is that? Well, that would also explain why the bird was so aggressive if it was, like, yeah, alone, abandoned, and freaking out a little bit. It just doesn't explain the reflective and glowing eyes. That's the only thing for me. It has maybe it's red like, eyes around it. Yeah. But well, maybe, like, it's, I mean, it's not like coyotes that's eyes literally reflect light. No. But maybe it's like that where the light caught the eye in a, I don't think But to have like them that. as a harbinger of appearing at random yeah. If I see a crane now, no. I'm just going to be like, crane? No, I'm out. Bye. Goodbye. I'm leaving. I'm going home. Um, I'm moving. Yeah, so that's a theory. Another theory suggests that Mothman was the work of just someone who was, like, wanted to prank the town and was, like, super committed and just, like, for I love a that. year, just, like, committed to living in this abandoned World War II munitions plant and, like, just, like, basically mess with people for a year. <laughs> I would so, do that if I, like, didn't, if I had, like, a trust fund and yeah, didn't have like, to work, to I'd do. do it. Yeah, sure. Some people believe that Mothman may be an angel or a demon or even the product of a blood curse placed upon the town by a cheap cornstalk who was murdered with his son in the area. I could not find very much about who Chief Cornstalk was. Um, so, yeah. Um, I did read the comments on one of the articles, and they were like, I was from, I'm from the Point Pleasant area, and, like, that's the running theory here, is that it's, like, the town is cursed because of this curse that was placed on it. I would rather so, believe my town was cursed, too. I would be like, yeah, I'm from the cursed town. Yeah. Um, there's also two legends from the Shawnee native... Um, people that have lore that mention creatures closely resembling Mothman, so it could be around for forever, but um, in reality we will likely never know, because there's very few confirmed sightings of Mothman, because it is such a new thing. Um, And whether or not you believe in him, it's hard not to believe in just the icon that Mothman has become since 1966. That's true. Because everyone knows Mothman now, and he definitely is a little bit of a meme. In 2002, there was a movie based on Keel's book, so the 1975 book, that kind of rekindled the interest in Mothman. Um, And this film stars, it's called the Mothman Prophecies film. Or Mothman Prophecies. It stars Richard Greer, who plays a reporter. What? Yep. As in, um, like, the Richard Yes. Greer. Okay. Um, a reporter whose wife uh, was had witnessed Mothman shortly before her death. And 
he as like he has to like figure out what's going on with her and like what Mothman is and blah 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 blah, blah. and that's like the plot of the movie so fun fun okay. um in Point Pleasant today Mothman's legacy can be seen basically throughout the town there is the iconic chrome statue of him that stands at like over 12 feet tall oh that's um, sweet they gave him a statue yes he does have a statue um and it's chrome which i think is hilarious and his eyes are like two like gems <laughs> they're that's red great. and i do know everyone talks about it because apparently they gave him just a just an unnecessarily nice butt they just made mothman have like a really nice ass <laughs> okay then <laughs> um yeah so that's fun uh, i would love to go see that statue um and there's also a historical museum that is all things Mothman related, if you so desire to see that. That'd be interesting because it's a relatively modern thing, so collecting artifacts would not be as uh, yes. difficult. Um, yes. There is also the annual Mothman Festival. That is a commemoration of the visit um, of the first creature. So it started in 2002 when the movie kind of reignited interest in Mothman and is held on the third weekend of every September in downtown Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And it's supposed to be like a huge, huge thing. And it features a wide variety of vendors, guest speakers, live music and events for all ages, drawing people from around the world to learn more about Mothman. And I'm sure the town of Point Pleasant loves Mothman because it derives their tourism industry way up, Yep. um, which I can't blame them. But that is the legend of the Mothman. I am very grateful you covered that because I genuinely did not know any of that. Really? No. I've never looked into Mothman. I don't even know what he supposedly looks like. Some people really love Mothman, like really love Mothman. And I do see the appeal, but like out of all the cryptids, he's not my favorite. Um, but like, I like paranormal stuff and I like to watch and like listen to podcasts and watch YouTube and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So like when you do those kind of things, it's hard to avoid Mothman just because of how like loved and adored he is. Um, but he has kind of become a little bit of a meme in the last few years. That's honestly the, that's, I've always thought he was just kind of a meme. Like, I think he is for the most part. Um, wait, so what, but like he, no, like he's actually a cryptid, but like the love and like, the reason why he's so famous is because of, like, this, like, what, a Mothman? Are you kidding me? <laughs> do we need to do an episode on paranormal cryptids? I did not know that you had such a love for them. Yeah. Really? No, I knew you liked cryptids, like Bigfoot. I just didn't know you liked paranormal ones. Oh, I love paranormal stuff. Ghosts and everything? Yeah, I know you like ghosts. I just didn't... What, what makes a paranormal cryptid? Well, it's, like, paranormal slash cryptid. Oh, okay. I see yeah. what you're saying. I They're thought you were talking about, related. Like, like, cryptids that are ghosts or something. I was like, damn, that's cool. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, depends on who you're asking. A ghost could be a cryptid. That's true. I, I would argue. What if Bigfoot's a ghost? He could be. There's probably Bigfoot ghosts around. Yeah. Because if, if Bigfoot's real, that implies an entire species of Bigfoots. And some of them must have died if he's Some of them must left. have died. So, yeah. Here on this show, we talk about um, some very credible things, obviously. Oh, listen. Whether or not you believe in Mothman, the history of how a legend developed in 66 mm-hmm. and became so iconic in the span oh, yeah. of, what, 50, like, a little over 50 years is very fascinating. Oh, yeah. And I think with everything happening in the 60s, there's a lot to be said about, like, why Mothman became such a big deal when it did. Because the 60s oh, yeah. was such a decade to be examined. 
Yeah. Um, well, and the history of lore is so important because, like, so much of history is just oral history. Mm-hmm. So you need to understand how it passes along, like, how it gets morphed and believed. It says a lot about, like, what is happening to your society at the time. Because if people are really oh, yeah. willing to believe in something like Mothman, that's, like, a manifestation, if anything, whether or not he's real, it's a manifestation of anxieties at the time mm-hmm. and they say a lot with like when you're watching horror movies horror movies reflect oh, yeah. the anxieties of the culture do you and know so, how many like quarantine zombie movies were like released oh, during yeah, covid exactly. so many that i was like why would you make this this is just making me more anxious yeah exactly and in the 60s and the 70s you saw a lot of like boogeyman type horror movies mm-hmm. like the the what's the really iconic one with the lake creature um from hmm, I'm forgetting and it's embarrassing but like you see a lot of these like boogeyman monster things and it's kind of like that representation of like Mm -hmm. we had serial killers happening really big in the 60s and 70s for like the first time ever and so it's that boogeyman it's the scare scary Mm -hmm. evil thing that's going to come and get you yeah and so you kind of see the anxieties of the culture reflected in Mm -hmm. when you have the satanic panic you have a lot of history movies whoa you have a lot of horror movies that are about like Mm -hmm. cults and devil and worship and all of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff and you had like the exorcist and demons and everything yeah um well that's why i know we talked about it earlier in stranger things they i love the way they treat because D &D plays a big part in stranger uh things but in this latest season they like they've always you know advertised how like they mentioned it in earlier seasons how people really did think D was like a satanic oh, yeah. thing for a long time and in this oh, yeah. season they literally like this isn't much of a spoiler or anything but they literally like go on a manhunt after one of the characters because of D and stuff yeah. and it's because everyone believes that it's like actually a satanic cult and it's so interesting to see how like people take those things and really run it. i was glad they acknowledged it in the show because that it provides a real plot thing that people don't realize that like hysteria around mm-hmm. stories like the thoughts oh, around yeah. cults and, well, and it's, stuff it's, it's so it's horror movies and i think like the big dystopian i mean we mentioned it earlier but the big dystopian mm-hmm. novel push of like the 2010s like that was really reflective of our anxiety huge because like <laughs> that's arguably when things took a turn for the worst dystopia seen an uptick in the last couple of years too yeah because of look at what's look happening at where we are yeah now. So it's, it's really interesting to kind of analyze these little pieces of history and mm-hmm. like their broader context. And so that's like, why are you talking about Mothman? That's, you know, he's just a little cryptid that's not even that old, but like, it but the history is fascinating. Yeah, it actually, it absolutely is. So plus I was like, screw it. I want to do something lighthearted oh, yeah. and not as serious. Today. Well, in no way am I criticizing your choice. I love yeah. the choice. It's yeah. one of those, it just makes me laugh because people will people sometimes say things like that's not history and i'm like it's Im- if it's if it exists if it, it happened is in yesterday some way, it's history yeah if it happened at any point at any besides if it's ever happened it is in some happened, way part history. of history and it's connected to literally everything else in history. it informs everything we do yeah so anyway that is mothman i am so glad you did that i hope i made everyone's day a little bit better you, you did you mothman. made mine a lot better i feel I'm so glad. much better right now i'm glad do you want to go get food oh my god can we i think i can eat now yes Let's wrap it up. Cat's um, gonna pass out. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Are you okay? Did you hear that? No. Cat <laughs> uh, just did something to her shoulder. Hold on. <laughs> so okay, Cat's arm is. I've been back like in her socket. sick all day and dying, and I just started to dislocate my shoulder, but it's fine. It didn't go all the way out. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, yeah, so, um... Where were we? Oh, yeah, thank you for a wonderful Mothman episode. We're gonna go get food. Yep. 
Uh, remember to rate us wherever you can. That's like the number way to help. One way to help us out. Um, talk to us on Twitter at mm-hmm. uh, this is no T I N A H L podcast or over email at this is not a history lecture at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Every um, review you leave is one more fuzzy furry moth that we see. And they are super cute. They are so kind of cute. They're just terrifying. I don't want the, I don't want to touch them, but I will look at them. That's, and they're that's very true. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we hope you have a good one. You we'll know, be back with a, uh, a themed episode next week. Yes. Very exciting. Should we drop the theme for people? Who are Go for it. Far? We are doing labor movements whoop, whoop. in history. Big points of labor movement yes. history. So don't let the man get you down. Don't let the man get you down. As that new Beyonce song talks about. Apparently I haven't listened to it. Oh, I haven't listened to it either. <laughs> we'll have to go listen to it. Yep. Okay. Anyway, guys. In the meantime, stay optimistic as possible. Take a deep breath. We are here with you, and yeah, we will talk to you again in a week. Absolutely. Until then, this is a reminder that this has not been a history lecture. Bye. Bye.